Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I got to keep rocking because it makes me crazy. It makes me crazy. Who needs to be cool? You're listening to Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Uh, my name is Gabe Cooper. I'm here with Ben and Tracy. And we are on a tour, a spooktacular, spooktober tour of the solo works of Ozzy Osbourne. How y'all doing tonight? Just being the Hellraiser that I am. You gotta get this zombie stomp on and going. That's a, a tour de force that we're going through. Uh, Undead dancing. Lovely. Needing life. Yes. For sure. So as you probably have guessed by now, we are doing No More Tears, the sixth studio album by Ozzy Osbourne, released on September 17th of 1991. Had a runtime of 57 minutes and two seconds, released on Epic Associated, Dwayne Barron and John Perdell were the producers. The band, Ozzy Osbourne on vocals, Zach Wilde on guitars, Randy Castillo on drums, John Sinclair on keyboards, Bob Daisley on bass, Mike Inez also on bass, inspiration and musical direction. So this is another one of those situations where he didn't actually play on the record, but apparently Bob Daisley and Ozzy had another falling out. And so somebody else was, you know, Credited. Fun times. Ozzy just can't keep a basis for long, I guess. <laughs> or members for long. Well, all band drama aside, I think that this album has a lot different feel than the last one does. Um, it really seemed to me as if every single one of these songs goes on for too long. <laughs> and um, I mean, when they're when they're good, they they just hit. But I just felt there was a lot of beating good riffs to death. And like, you know, a lot of the individual tracks in particular, you know, it just takes a long time to get where they're going if they even go anywhere. Um, and that said, it places it squarely in the, squarely in the 80s where, you know, all kinds of things were excess and uh, done to excess. Um, so that sort of felt a lot different from the last album that we looked at um no rest for the wicked where it felt like a lot of fat got trimmed away well i mean this one is way longer than that one was um so i definitely can see that largesse um i'm i'm gonna let tracy go because this is one of those albums that hit right at the time that i was super getting into heavier music and buying stuff and this was the first aussie album that i bought so Okay. Tracy, why don't you talk for a little bit? <laughs> well, I was gonna, no I was chance gonna... of an unbiased review then. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm no. I was going to ask him about this because uh, at 1991, I was like doing the math in my head. I'm like, Ben would have been between 16 and 18 at the time. Like right at that time when it's like music. And I'm like, there's no way he avoided not by bumping into this album on several different occasions. Like it was from full force front center on the lease probably for him. Oh, dude. Well, I talked about like the video for um, Shot in the Dark and like it seems like there were a shit ton of videos. And I think there might have been like only three or four from this album that were in heavy rotation on MTV at this time. I mean, as we talked about at the end of this one, this album went four times platinum and it didn't do that overnight, but it was a huge album. Um, and to answer your question from that previous episode, Tracy, which one is this most Side of selling, it is Blizzard, but Blizzard has only gone five times platinum. Well, this has gone four times, 
and again, a decade in difference. Yeah. And so this is, I knew a lot of stuff off this album, but this is the kind of, I think the first time I've actually sat down and listened to it from start to finish. Um, I'm in the actually opposite boat of Gabe than I, than I am on this one. I guess it's just how much I've heard off this album just from classic rock radio airplay because there's a lot of songs off that album that are in the loop there. It's like four of them that are not unheard of showing up there. Um, the fact of that this is very much, it sounds in comparison a lot to the Black album in which it has that very radio-friendly sound to it. And I don't say I'm necessarily here for it, but it makes it much more listenable especially coming off of like the run of the ultimate sin no rest for the wicked into here like you can see the build-up into this album especially off no rest for the wicked i think it's where you start to see all of them get their it's just the album that just kind of clicks together and while it is sonically different in sound i think it's enough to where you like it's still got the zach wilde flair to it but it's also reined in to in a sense to where it's much more cohesive songwriting I think this one overall, every track off here could have probably easily been a single. I feel like my, maybe not quite the Black Album where every track on that fucking thing's a single, but like one, but it could have definitely had gotten some airplay on a lot of these. And I think it does a real well job. I, while it does kind of run long, I think it's a very enjoyable long. It's not like Ultimate Sin work. Oh, it's 40 some odd minutes, but I'm ready to be off this ride halfway through it because nothing's piqued my interest for the past six songs. I think that a criticism that can be labeled laid at this album, not one that I would necessarily make, but um, that I feel would be fair aside from the link, is that it's a little whereas the last two albums kind of strayed away from the power ballad, this comes back and doubles up and gives you two of them. So, which, you know, depending on what you think about power ballads, is either a good or a bad thing. You see a lot of the uh, um, the tropes of Ozzy albums coming into this and, and some of the lyrics and some of the songs. Um, I will say that I think that Zach's playing gives even the ballads a little bit more of a uh, edge to them than like, Nelson or Warrant or some of those bands would have had in their power ballads, but there are still power, power ballads nonetheless. Yeah, this is this reminds me of yeah the late eighties nineties hair metal or late eighties hair metal, and it's, it's just it's just that they kind of dip their toe back into that genre, but I think it's the polish on it compared to the Ultimate Sin I think really pays off dividends. I think they're also back to some of their dumb lyrics here, <laughs> unfortunately, like, <clears throat> and some questionable stuff too. I don't know uh, how you all feel about Mr. Tinker Train, but um, not not a great look. Um, I enjoyed the song. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can enjoy the song. It's totally fine. Uh, yeah, uh, it's silly, but I, you know, and I thought it was silly at the time, but I, I did kind of like it. Um, 
you see Ozzy diversifying out into bringing in other songwriters, which he's done, you know, other than Bob Daisley or whomever, lyric writers on here. And I think that the developing the relationship with Lemmy that he does on this album, at least for one of the tracks, which I think is one of the, the better tracks, although it wasn't one of the singles. At least I don't remember it being one of the singles. Um, really added some needed heft to this to keep it from being quite as light, even though I said that, that Zach's playing gave the the ballads and edge to them there were still two power ballads on here and so there needed to be some some heavier stuff and i think lemmy helped out with that at least on one track yeah i mean i don't want to say this album sounds like it's produced by bob rock but kind of feels like it but i mean (laughs) i think it achieved what they wanted to achieve with this album and i think this is actually kind of I think this is the end that might have like fully solidified Ozzy at the time as like a solo artist because they're still kind of living up to his Black Sabbath days, I think, prior to this one. I mean, I think when you have a band like Black Sabbath, there's always going to be comparisons, but shit, I mean, every album that he's had has gone at least double platinum. Yeah. So I think he had proven his bona fides as a singing uh, solo artist by this point. Now, it might have launched it into like a, a different... Um, well, new also, generation of listeners going into the yeah. 90s well we also don't know how much of those platinums came up after this fact after this album sure but i mean that's fair but i don't know that i don't think they all went they may have all gone platinum or a second time after this but i think they all went probably go when they were released because he was still had a a Oh. you know, really good contract to Oh yeah. To release I mean, juggle my memory here wasn't like the first big tour Metallica got on like the oh the Diary of a Madman tour for Ozzy. Like when like the first big tour they got on Master like right before or after Master Puppets. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know Ozzy was instrumental in, in bringing up almost all those bands on tour at some point, yeah. and then later on, Ozzy's in the 90s. Yeah. Actually, now I think about it, I think it was the Ozzy tour that Cliff Burton died on. Yay. Maybe. <laughs> Yay, random knowledge from my high school years, seeking, peeking, percolating through. But I mean, I enjoyed this album quite a bit, comparatively. I think this was might be the favorite one we've done so far. So you have spent a long time with this album, Ben. Yeah. How much had it been a long time since you heard this album since you were in high school or or it is definitely not something that I go back to a whole lot um and listen to. It is something I listen to a lot in the day, but uh, again that was as me and David also talk about as a product of you only have the stuff to listen to the things that you bought or what was on the radio um but you know there are still tracks on here that if i'm cruising through satellite radio or whatever and one of them this tracks from this album come on there are certain tracks that i will stop and listen to which i can't say the same necessarily well okay let me let me let me phrase it a different way the huge song off of here, um, you might make an argument for Mama, I'm coming home, but I would say No More Tears. And I, if I hear No More Tears, I will stop and listen to it, whereas if I hear Inner Sandman, I won't. And I probably heard them both the same amount of times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<clears throat> I just went and looked because you brought that up what the play numbers is for them and holy hell mama I'm coming home in at 154 million 465 thousand no more tears 98 million 475 thousand and 722 that's some that's some airtime yeah that's a lot of streaming yes them point zero 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 eight cents adds up at that point. But yeah, I mean it's, it was good to come back and hear this album. Like there's just so much that has seeped in, I guess you'd say mainstream radio and classic rock stations and stuff that this album I think has definitely hit the zeitgeist of those target audiences, which is now I think Ben's demographic, less more so my parents' demographic. Yeah, the old but not in, uh, decrepit yet. Demographic. Yeah, the ones who don't leave their radio stations on a AM conservative talk station. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. Do you want to slander this album some more, Gabe? <laughs> slander and libels, right? I need to. I need to blaspheme <laughs> some more. Um. I think the other, the last thing I would say is that, like we did mention the power ballads. I think on the whole, it's also much slower than the last record. And for me, it's, it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily work. However, No More Tears is 100% worth that tempo. Like it's just creepy, it's slow, but it's very, very cool. And um, yeah, um, I think that's particularly well done. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know if I told you guys, I might have told Ben and Dave this month, years ago, whenever we went to Evanescence and in St. Louis and she was touring with Lindsay Sterling and they just done their redo whatever Evanescence did where they recorded with the orchestra all their famous tracks and released a couple of new ones and they were touring on that record and they ended the show that Lindsay Sterling came out and played violin to No More Tears while Evanescence was playing with the orchestra behind it, and that was a fantastic. That was a nice cover rendition to like, I guess, to close that entire concert on. That's really cool. Fact for the kids out there. <laughs> well, uh, tracks, gentlemen. You know what? I'm gonna fall on the sword. I think I'm gonna say all of them on this. I think they're all. I like them all here. Some of, they all have their high points, and if you haven't, at least take the ride once on this album. All of them. I can't say all of them. I think Powers. that they're. No, nah, I just I don't. I think Zombie Stomp is kind of dumb. I love um, that song. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's like one of the few because you know, Mr. Tinker Train has its problems, but I think it's all right. I don't want to change the world. Mom, I'm coming home. You know, Road to Nowhere. Time after time, Hellraiser. Actually, I guess you could make a case for three um, ballads if you consider time after time one. So, yeah. The majority, I will say that. I think the one piece of this record worth paying attention to is kind of <clears throat> just smack dab in the middle, uh, Desire, No More Tears, and S.I.N. Um, I think those are really genuinely good songs. Zombie Stomp is a waste of a good riff. Um, there's nothing going on in that song and AVH is all right. 
Well, you didn't listen to the lyrics bit, Gabe. You didn't go, hey, hey, listen to the zombie stomp. I, I did listen to the lyrics, and that was what made me conclude it was so first of a good rip. Plus, they just, I don't know. I don't know how long the intro is. It's like at least a minute and a half. Yeah. That song definitely should not be over six minutes long. There's no reason for it. It's excessive. Yeah. It, it, it's almost his cotton eye, Joe. <laughs> Ozzy's cotton eye, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> there were some harsh words I've been speaking just then. Wow, but great, gentlemen. Um, I'll fall. Into, I'll go for first here. I'm gonna give this an A minus, like an 80, 83 is the highest A minus, right? Or 93. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm gonna give it a 93. So it's my favorite Aussie we've done so far. Um, I'm also gonna give it an A minus, it's one of my favorite Aussie albums. But I, I will admit that a lot of that is nostalgia. This is going to get a B minus for me. It really gets pulled up a lot by um, No More Tears. <clears throat> if it weren't for No More Tears, I think this album would get a lot lower grade. So you would have been one of those that was like, oh man, that single's badass. I'm going to buy the album and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know if I was, yeah, if I had been listening to, um, this kind of music in 1991 like whether i would have behaved like that but yeah well i would have definitely bought this album off that single alone so yep but average of 89 this would have definitely ended up in my grab bag my bag at the record store yeah i bought it and i would buy it again i wouldn't buy it but i mean I, I mean, I download No More Tears. Come on. Yeah. No, it's a great song. Great, great song. What are we doing next, Tracy? Next, we are doing the 1995 Osmosis. The, I almost want to say the new metal album of Aussie, but it's got its moments. <laughs> new metal. Well, I, I don't know that I'd go that far. But no, it's a retirement either. album, for yeah. sure. So, right. I just love. I just gotta say, it opens great with the MIDI files. That's that. That was a new touch. Very <laughs> <laughs> do well. Amazing. It is. But yeah, tune in next time as we journey into the osmosis. <laughs>